uh, Miller to come. She's our mission director, and we have a missionary in the Ukraine, and we wanted to highlight some of what God's doing uh, there. Would you share with us, Lisa? Good morning. I'm sure all of you are aware by now just watching little media blips and your nightly news, and if you're like me on the internet, if it wasn't for Yahoo, I'd probably never get to see the news, that there's a war in Ukraine. And certainly as Christians, we, we pray. Thank you. Certainly as Christians, we pray. Um, but did you know that Myrtle Grove has a direct connection to Ukraine, and that is that we have a missionary named Valya Grinchuk. And we have supported her financially, prayerfully, since about 2007. Some of you older Myrtle Grovers might remember Paul Schatzberger and his wife, and they were missionaries in Ukraine and connected with Valya and MTEE, and they run a school there called the um, Christian Development and Leadership Institute. And Valia is located in a little town called Voshgorod. I had to practice to get that pronunciation right. <laughs> and it's north of Kiev. And um, what we are doing is Peggy, had, Peggy Laney had this insane idea at the end of last summer in speaking to Valia to use or employ some Ukrainian missionaries that Valia is working with that are attending a missionary school and have them come here to Myrtle Grove as missionaries to work with Power Camp this summer, 2014. Well, we're in a time of war. Little did we know then that this would be going on now. And our staff has Skyped back and forth with Valia. She sends us updates on how to pray, but you could only imagine how do you ask for prayer in a time of war, especially when it's right outside your front door. As it stands right now, we have 11 people that are coming from Ukraine. Eight will be coaches for Power Camp, God willing. We're in the process of working with their passports, sending letters of invitation, and praying that the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine will allow them to come. And these are mighty men and women of God, and they are praying that they can come here. And they're not giving up. Most of us with bombs going off, people dying and fires, some of these guys that are coming, four of them are of an age to be drafted into the military. And you just throw your hands up and say, okay, God, we'll just stay put. But no, they're moving forward. And we're just praying that they get here. So um, we ask you to join us in prayer. Um, we're going to show a quick video that Valia made for us to explain the school explain the institute and what the missionaries are going through, and then it's followed by a song. When Steve asked her, hey, how can we as Myrtle Grove come and support you in the Ukraine and the missionaries in the school? How do you want us to pray? She was just speechless because you just can't put that in words in a time like this. And she found this song, and um, I did a little research. The song was just produced a month ago, right right at the beginning of the war. And um, so when you see the song and the pictures and read the subtitles, Valiant wants you to know that is her heart cry, not only for her, but for her country. But those pictures are real wartime pictures. They're that recent. Valiant wrote a book in 2005 um, called My Father Loves Me. And there are about, it's a sweet, sweet book about her journey, just if you want to know a little bit more about our Ukrainian missionary but there are about eight copies that I've put in the resource center. They're free if you would like them. Just return them so we can just share them among the congregation. But would you start up the video for us? Hello, my name is Valentina Grinchuk and I'm from Ukraine. I'm working in the uh, Institute for the Development Christian Leadership and actually I'm missionary from your church uh, and this is like thank you very much to Peggy Laney that I'm missionary at your church. She gave me anointing to be a missionary in my country. 
So, and let me introduce a little bit about our ministry. Our ministry, it is like in Ukraine, in Europe, and in Russia. This is, you see, the map of Ukraine. And this is all branches what we have in Ukraine and part of Moldova. And this is the Europe. This is like the branches what we have in Europe, Italy, Budapest, and Madrid. And this is Russia. This is whole Russia country. And this is the branches what we have in Russia. Because our ministry, it is very, very, very uh, going on very long time. We have some kind of uh, asking from the church, like pastors and leaders of the group, ask us to do some kind of missionary uh, school. And uh, we start to, we decided to do a little bit about missionary school, a little school. And so we collect around eight, nine people to be missionaries. And uh, they, uh, they start to come together and they start to be together and we have special program for the missionaries and they want to come to your church. And they, during this time, they go through the 10 courses of the program and right now they are ready and they prepare to come to your country to help and to be the volunteers and your, at your camp, to visit your church and to be part of your church. And this is unique project because this is some kind of stuff that uh, they raise their money by themselves and they will pay for your tickets. And this is the must, this is uh, very, very interest, interesting for our country to raise money for yourself and to come to your to different country and pay by themselves and what we need we need that you pray for us because ukraine goes through the difficult situation we need you pray for the visa and for the visit of these people to the embassy and i will ask you to pray for ukraine because ukraine goes through the different and difficult moment in our life our country life and we are so grateful for your support before and now we are so grateful that you open your church to invite our people and you open your heart to pray for us and we are we are very glad to be part of your church during this summer thank you very much Malus, Malus, Прошу тебе, прошу.
So let's lift Valia and the missionaries in Ukraine in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come to you with um, broken hearts, but yet hearts of hope. We lift up Valia, the Institute, the missionaries, Power Camp, Lord. We, we lift up Power Camp so we know how to receive them. How awesome is it that instead of for this season, we're not just sending missionaries, but we're receiving them on this field, on our own home turf. How awesome is that? God, we just ask that you lay down any anxieties that the Ukrainian missionaries have at your feet, God. We ask for discernment as the folks in the embassy, as they're looking over their visas and their letters of invitation and their passports, Lord, that you just give them a willing spirit to allow them to come. Lord, we pray for protection over the soldiers in Ukraine and the husbands and the sons that are getting ripped from their families for this time of war. Lord, we pray over the leadership in Ukraine and in Russia and in our own country, God, that you would allow us to seek your will in this time and not our own agenda, God, that you would soften the hearts of the Ukraine, that you would use this time as a restoration for your people that you have already called. We thank you, Father. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that God is arranging around the earth circumstances by which people by the thousands and hundreds of thousands will begin to access the gospel through strain, through difficulty, to be sure in some cases. But God, we pray uh, for that nation of Ukraine. God, we ask that your spirit would be poured out, that there would be massive awakenings that would happen by the spirit of Jesus. Uh, Lord, I pray that there would be revival in the church, that those who are caught up in lethargy, uh, God, would be set free and would be restoked by the fire of your presence. Lord, thank you that you're sending uh, missionaries from that nation here so that we can receive from them and that they would receive from us. Lord, we pray for those eight students and those adults that would come, God, that you would grant their visas, that you would open the doors, that you would allow them to uh, leave their country and access this one uninhibited. And God, we thank you that you're sending the adults also, and it comes to my mind that one of the adults coming, a friend of, of uh, our missionary there, is actually the top Ukrainian uh, gymnast instructor in that nation. And God, we're going to have opportunity to interact with each one of them, not just her, and she with us. And so, Lord, I thank you that you've arranged that sovereignly through, our, um, through the power camp here, that, that this church would, uh, would again access an opportunity to touch this community here around Myrtle Grove, around Wilmington. And Lord, we thank you that you have an international destiny upon our lives. It's not because of us, Lord. It's because of you. It's your Father's heart to reach into the lives of every person uh, multinationally and draw them unto yourself. So, God, we pray blessings upon them, and we pray blessings upon our gathering together this summer. And as Power Camp ramps up, and now there are hundreds already signing up, Lord, we expect that you're going to do exceedingly more than we could even ask or think um, in these coming days. Thank you for Valia. Thank you for her ministry. And thank you for what you're doing with them as we prepare to receive them and as they prepare to come and to receive us. Lord, we ask your blessings now in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for praying with us. But it, you know, it occurred to me that as I look around, there are missionaries sprinkled all over the place here. Those who have been on the field, uh, those who are on the field, those who are going on the field. And, uh, you know, I, David and Naomi, I'm going to embarrass you guys. Stand up. I just want to thank you for being here. And I want to pray for you for just a minute. David and Naomi Tepper, uh, most of you know them, involved with Battelle, and they have since closed down the New York Battelle. And we'll be going to Spain, uh, Madrid, in the not too distant future, a couple of months. But we're so glad to have you here. And I just want to. <laughs> 
I know you're embarrassed, but I, you know, I just, I sense the Lord just wanting me to say there is such favor upon your lives that you, you don't yet fully understand what you carry. You do, we all do, but we don't. And I just sense the Lord is getting you prepared in this season for a whole new embarking onto something fresh. And, you know, I think of that text, and I think it's 1 Corinthians, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. That's your destiny. And as hard as it's been closing Battelle, New York, and then transitioning here for a respite, and then going to Madrid, God has favor and grace upon your lives that um, you can expect that he will do exceedingly more than you can ask or think. Let's get around them and pray for them, shall we? Father, I just want to thank you for David and Naomi and for their precious family. and, And God, we just speak more of that destiny of your heart into them, God. Lord, we love them and they have sacrificed and given much and I'm sure they seem to think that it's little in their eyes. But God, they've given much and to whom much is given, uh, much will be received as well. So God, as you have given to them, uh, expand and explode in them the ministry of the next uh, phase of their lives. God, by your Spirit, not by their works, not by their might, But by your Spirit, we pray blessings upon them and upon their family, God, and upon David's brothers, his dad, God, the ministry of Battelle internationally, all of those outposts all around the nations of the earth. God, may they receive the blessings and the exponential growth in this next phase of their lives. Lord, encourage them. God, cause them to rest in you. And Lord, let your glory be seen in them and through them, in Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Well, thank you all. I just had to do that. (laughs) Well, um, we're having fun. Y'all having fun? This is church. I'm telling you what, religious folk got it wrong. Let's come and all sit and look at the backs of each other's heads. But um, God's doing something fresh upon the earth, and I could barely contain myself when those fresh images were happening. Those were captured just in the last month. There's a revolution going on around the globe right now, and it's a Jesus revolution. And I'm telling you, uh, those of you who are here today, those of us who are alive upon the earth, get ready because we're going to witness, I believe, one of the greatest revolutions that this earth has ever seen. And it's a Jesus revolution, and folks, we get to be a part of it, and somebody ought to say, Yahoo! Woo! This is good stuff! God is on the move! Well, let me just take a few moments here and uh, as we're preparing our hearts for communion and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter, well, 1. I'll start there and I'll look at a couple of verses in 1 Corinthians 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 2 as we sort of segue into this this, um, communion celebration, a feast of remembering Jesus. Now the question is, why should we remember Jesus? Well, the answer is, Jesus is the core. Jesus is the locus, the center of everything that happens in the Christian life. Um, Paul had this notion, if if you read the letters of Paul, and he wrote a great deal of the New Testament by the revelation and inspiration of the Spirit. But if you read Paul, what you find is that he was really sort of obsessed with the cross. He, he understood something about the cross that I think American Christians or contemporary Christians around the globe don't really fully get. Well, let me show you a couple of examples of what I mean. Um, beginning in verse 18 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, Paul says this, For the message of the cross, there it is, the message or the word or the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. You can always tell folk that are perishing. When somebody talks about the cross, they go, oh, well, oh, yeah, that's a piece of jewelry. That means nothing to me. Because the message of the cross uh, is actually foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being, who are saved and who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross, then, is the power, the source um, of 
of everything that happens in the Christian life. Look, slide down to verse 23 of that same chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews. That message is a stumbling block. Now, why is Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews? If you've read the book of Galatians, it's because the Jews were trying to perform their way into God's good graces. They were trying to be made righteous by keeping the law. And the cross, the message of the cross, was foolishness to them because they were trying to establish their own righteousness by their works, what they did. The message of the cross, we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. Now why was it foolishness to the Greeks? It's because the Greeks were sort of epitomizing those people who last week we looked at those who had eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. The Greeks epitomized those people who were eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and they were attempting to understand the message of the cross through human wisdom. The Greeks were looking for wisdom, the Jews were looking for their own performance and both of them missed the essence of the cross, the message of the cross. It's the cross that is the message that is the power of God. Let's slide down to verse 24 of the same chapter. But to those who are called, both Jews who get it, who understand their calling, and they stop trying to perform their way by righteous works of the law, those who are called, both Jew and Greek, those guys who lay down, they're trying to figure it out in their own human wisdom, Christ then is the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, Paul was obsessed with the message of the cross, and he, he brought that message every place he went. Let's look at verse uh, chapter 2. Um, let me just pick out one verse. Let's look 1 and 2 of chapter 2. And he said, I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech and wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Why? Verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, uh, every place Paul went, this guy was obsessed with the cross and he always brought a word of correction. Read his epistles and he's always correcting those who are trying to do it in their own strength, keeping the law. Maybe God, maybe God will love me if I just do better. And he said, oh no, you've missed the message of the cross. Maybe God will love me if I just can understand more with my own human wisdom. No, you're a Greek. You need to come back to the message of the cross. So this morning, I have the immense privilege of declaring to you the message of the cross. That it's not about your personal works. It's not about your human understanding. It's all about the man Christ Jesus who gave his life on a cross. And he did that to set you free from both your works and your human wisdom. The question is, are you going to believe the gospel? That is the question. Or will you believe your intellect or your own performance? See, Paul brought this word of correction every place he went because people have eaten from the tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they're trying to... To um, uh, they, Paul brought the correction every place he went because people were always adding to the message. It's Jesus plus keeping the law. It's Jesus plus my own human wisdom. And Paul said, it's neither. It's all about Jesus. Now if you read Paul, you will be aghast at how crystal clear he makes the gospel. So it's my privilege this morning to share just a little bit with you about that gospel. Let's look at it. For example, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, he says this, bringing correction to the believers in Galatia. He says this, even if there is an angel, verse 8 of chapter 1, even if you should encounter an angel from heaven, is that wild or what? Even if you should encounter an angel from heaven, uh, and if that angel preaches another gospel to you other than that which you have heard from me preach to you, let him be accursed. Is that astounding or what? If you have an angelic visitation that brings another gospel other than Jesus Christ and him crucified, you better reject it. Because there's one gospel, there's one cross, it's good news that God has brought 
to man on the basis of the cross. Now let's consider a few elements of that gospel. All that God has done for us can only be understood in light of the finished work of Christ. Everything that you read within the Bible can only be understood properly through the lens of the cross. Because all of the Old Covenant pointed toward the cross, all of the New Covenant points back to the cross. We can't understand anything that makes a hill of beans of different. I get a little amped up when I use these colloquialisms. It doesn't matter if we don't understand what the cross is and what Jesus did upon that cross. God has done for us everything through the cross. The Gospel, the good news, can only be understood through the death and through the burial and through the resurrection of Jesus. That's the Gospel. That's the good news. You see, the cross is the only basis for the entire New Testament. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's not Jesus or, and how smart you think you are. Or I can't get it. No, you just look to Jesus. It's not Jesus plus how fast you can pedal your bicycle. No, it's really about Jesus. You see, the Gospel is that that brings us to an understanding that Jesus alone paid the price for your sin and mine and has delivered us from the curse of the law. Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, it says in Galatians. You see, Jesus delivered us from the curse that we deserve by virtue of not being able to keep the law such that God should see us as righteous. You see, the Gospel... Jesus was chastened. He was beaten so that we could have peace. Yet many live in the expectation that God's about to chasten them. And my beloved, I would like to say to you today, if you're living in the notion that somehow God is just on the verge of getting ready to beat you for something, you've not understood the message of the cross. Because Jesus was chastened in your place so that you might have peace. Now, Jesus conquered sin, yet far too many people try to conquer it in their own strength. You all know that one? Besides me? Am I the only one that has tried to do this? I'll, I'll just be a better Christian if. If I keep myself real rigid. I, what does it mean to be Christian? It means to have Christ, the Savior of the world, living His life in me. And then Him representing Himself through me, representing Himself through me. You see, Jesus conquered death, yet far too many of us try to conquer our sin in our own strength. Jesus conquered death through the resurrection and received eternal righteousness for us, yet we still try to obtain our own righteousness by what we do. And brothers and sisters, if you receive Jesus and then try to be righteous in your own strength, Paul says you have abandoned the cross. You see, we're more aware of our own works. Let's be honest for a minute. We as human beings are more aware of our own works than we are His work. You see, what we're talking about this morning is Paul's obsession, rightly so, with the core of the power of the Gospel, which can only be fully understood in light of the cross, who Jesus was and what Jesus did. You see... We erroneously place ourselves at the center of our relationship with God instead of Jesus and His finished work being at the very center, the cross. You see, He is the only legitimate center. If you place yourself here, some of you are here this morning and are doing this. I'm letting you in on a little secret. Some of you see yourself as being the center. Uh, somehow it's about you. It's not about you. Jesus is the center. He is the only legitimate means by, you, by, me, by which you and I can come into the presence of God. That's why He is the mediator. He is the mediator of a new covenant. I'm not. He paid it all. Oh, to Him I owe. Sin had left the crimson stain, but He washed it white as snow. Can you say that with me? He washed it. Now what is it? It's your stain. It's your sin. And He's the only one who can ever remove it once and for all through the finished work of the cross. 
You see, how can I know then, here's the question, how can I know if I'm really trusting in the finished work of Jesus on the cross or am I trusting in myself or my own efforts or my own works to be acceptable to God? And I think the answer comes down to God's given us this thing called His Spirit, His presence, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, uh, there is liberty. God gives you peace. And all through the Scriptures, we find something about this notion called peace. In fact, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9, verse 6. He is the Prince of Peace. God the Father is the God of Peace in Romans chapter 15, verse 33, if you want to look these up. Father God is the God of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The Spirit brings fruit in my life, and the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and and peace. You see, the peace of God, the love of God, the presence of God is what, is what then uh, communicates to us whether we're trusting in Jesus or whether we're trusting in our own efforts or our own wisdom as the Greeks were. You see, uh, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, Colossians 3.15 says. Biblical peace is not the absence of difficulty. Biblical peace is in the midst of life. You know that it's about Him and it's not about you. It's about His performance. It's not about yours. It's about His wisdom and not your own human wisdom. It's really about Jesus. Well, how do we get peace then? Peace comes by accepting and believing the truth that Jesus accomplished everything for us on the cross through His finished work on the cross. Peace comes from believing. Peace comes not from performing. Peace doesn't come from understanding. Peace comes from Jesus and what He accomplished on the cross. Now, am I believing what God has made me to be? Or am I trying to become what I think God would have me to become? Let's follow this a minute. It's, a little, it's kind of convoluted. Am I believing what God has already made me to be in Christ, or am I trying to become what I think God would have me to be? Now, if I think I must become something to be acceptable to God, then, it must all, then I must also believe that I am not yet acceptable to God in my present state. If I am not pre acceptable to God in my present state, then I will live a life of fear, of guilt. I'll live a life of rejection, and I'll have very little peace in my life. Why? Because peace comes from Jesus. It doesn't come from me trying to be accepted. Something has switched in my life over the past couple of years, and I don't even know when it happened. But, beloved, some of you have said, ah, something's different about you. Yeah, there's something different about me, and it's no longer about Steve. Uh, duh. <laughs> it took me 60 years to get it. Huh? Some of you are clapping. I'm glad you, got, I'm glad you finally got it, Pastor. <laughs> well, I'm preaching to us because God is going to do this in His church worldwide. It's not about me, and it's not about you. It's about the King who is Jesus. You see, if we do not believe God, we will find ourselves either striving in our own strength and not resting in Him. There's only one place in the Bible that says strive, and that's to strive to enter into His rest. You see, if we don't believe and trust in Him, we'll find ourselves striving rather than resting. We'll find ourselves doubting instead of trusting in the finished work of Jesus. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this is, this is a breath of fresh air. But I'm telling you something else. Religious people don't get it because they want to perform or they want to understand and they want you to dance as they crank the little monkey thing. And God says, no, it is for freedom that I've come to set you free. And what sets us free is Jesus the King living His life uh, in us. Let me, let me give you four more scriptures here as we talk about this notion um, of peace. Luke chapter 2, verse 14. The angel came to the shepherds at the announcement of the birth of Jesus, and they said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. 
Now, we sort of interpret that, oh, isn't that lovely? The good news is coming so that I can have peace and goodwill toward men. No, that's not what it says. The angelic host were worshiping God, and they were saying, I'm bringing to you, shepherds, good news. And the good news is God's making peace with you. You don't deserve Him to make peace with you. But He, the God of the universe, has sent His Son. He's going to come wrapped in the flesh of a little baby called Jesus. That little baby's going to grow up, be killed and buried on a cross and be raised from the dead. And that His work and personhood is absolutely going to be the means by which God is now going to say to every one of you, I now have peace in my heart toward you. God has goodwill in His heart towards you. You say, well, no, God can't really mean that. The Gospel is too good for human understanding to really get. You see, in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not the kind of peace that the world gives do I give to you. Therefore, let your, not your hearts be troubled, neither uh, let them be afraid. You see, Jesus brings to us his peace Ephesians 2:14 says he is our peace you see hey, I can't help but you can get it uh, maybe later I'll leave you my notes you can photocopy them you see that God gives us peace Ephesians 2:14 he is our peace and when he becomes our peace um, I am then filled with the God of peace and the peace of God, and the presence of God, and it no longer becomes about us, what we understand, or in fact what we do. One more scripture, Romans 4, verse 24 and 25, says this. Now, Romans 4, 24 and 25, it shall be imputed to us. Now what's imputed? Credited. It'll be given. It will be imputed to us who believe. In Him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Because He, Jesus, was delivered up because of our offenses. He was raised from the dead for our justification. Therefore, Romans 5, verse 1, says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me take just one second and unpack this word justified. If you look at the Greek, the word justified and the word righteous have the very same root word. Any Greek scholars in here who can corroborate my tale? Justified, therefore having been justified by faith. Faith in what Jesus did justifies us we could legitimately translate that text, therefore, Romans 5.1, having been made righteous by faith. You see, that just blew the minds of the Jews who thought they had to be righteous by keeping the law. It blew the mind of the Greek philosophers who said, I just can't get this. No, the natural mind can't get the things of the Spirit. Neither can they know them because they're spiritually discerned. It's only by the Spirit. You see, we're justified by faith, and therefore we have peace with God. I am now justified because of the blood of Jesus. That means forensically, if you don't like that word, judicially declared righteous and just before God of the universe, based upon one thing and one thing only. Not me working hard, not me trying to understand everything, but based upon the blood of Jesus. Beloved, that is the locus of power. That's the core of the gospel. Adding anything to it, your own works, or trying to understand and take anything from it, you're just going to scratch your head and not get it. It is by faith that we are made just. I'm ending now with one more scripture, Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53, beginning at verse, seven, verse 4, says this, Surely... He has borne our griefs, our sicknesses, really. He has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken and smitten by God. He was afflicted, the suffering servant, 
the Messiah, Jesus, the one we're talking about. He was wounded for our transgressions. Can you say our? Can you say my? Jesus was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. My iniquities. Jesus went to a cross for your iniquities. How dare we try to hold on to Him when the King of glory has taken Him upon Himself and said, now because I suffered the woundings and the burdens of carrying all of that, you're going to try to carry it yourself? Hello? You see, Jesus is the one who paid it all. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we are healed. You see, we've all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned each one to his own way. But the Lord has laid upon Him the iniquity of us all. You see, it's the finished work of the cross. Now, to the, to the Jew, they go, ah, you know, you got, no, it can't be that simple. To the Greeks, they tried to understand it in their own human wisdom, and they, and they couldn't get it. Maybe that's why the first verse of Isaiah 53 starts with a question. Anybody know what the question was? Who has believed our report? Is it possible that though we deserve death, that the God of the universe has sent someone else to take my sin and put it on another. And the righteous then verdict of the king now says, now you are righteous based upon what my son has done. Beloved, that is the gospel. Without being watered down in any way, shape, or form, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's really about Jesus who has believed our report the gospel seems too good to be true now all day and most of yesterday I was singing the refrain of a song and Dean didn't know until I shared this at the first service and here was a refrain it says this the vilest offender anybody in there fits that description beside me come on the vilest offender who truly Believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear His voice. Beloved, the King of glory came in the person of Jesus and went to a cross for my sin and for yours so that you could not bear it alone. Some of you are here this morning and you've been trying to bear your own sin and straighten stuff out. And because of that, you're not walking in any peace. You're walking in a great deal of fear. 1 John 4 says where there's fear, love has not been perfected. The perfection of the love of God is that He loves me and His response is an overwhelming, Yes! From eternity I've loved you. And I did everything so that you could be free from your sin. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Now on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, He took a loaf and He consecrated a feast of remembrance. Do this in remembrance of me. What are you doing when you eat this bread and drink this cup? You're remembering Jesus gave his body in your place. What are we doing when we drink the cup of Jesus? We're remembering that it's by the blood of Jesus alone that He separates our sin from us. He, the Son of, the Son of Man. Jesus, the One who came and gave His life for us, poured out His life blood and said, as often as you drink this now, do this in remembrance of Me. If you come here this morning and say, well, we're going to eat this little piece of bread and drink this little juice and somehow there's some little rote thing, you've not yet understood the core message of the cross. 
that through the cross, God has said you are now free from your sin. And now on that basis alone, the Spirit of God comes into our life, lives there, and we get to represent Him to the world. He represents Himself through us. So Jesus, when He took this bread, He broke it, said, this is my body broken for you, and poured out this cup. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And that we shall do. Let's pray. Father, we set these meager, human, natural elements apart now in prayer. And we ask that you would use them for your glory. That we might contact afresh the real presence of, Je of Jesus as we come together. Lord, we thank you for giving us an opportunity to remember afresh that the cross is really about what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. There are some whom we have asked to be prayer partners and available up here. If you are one of them, would you come now and serve yourselves? Um, our elders, you can come. A couple of them are going to also be up here. And I'm going to ask that you would then come down the center aisle. We're going to ask you to get up and move out of your seat. Let's start with the balcony again today, shall we? Y'all can come on down, as they say. Come on down. Now, as people come, I'd like for you to consume the elements up here. And if you'd like special prayer, then receive it from someone up here. If you'd like to pray for someone yourself, feel free to do that. If you want to linger at the altar and just sort of let the presence of Jesus soak upon your life, then you do that as well. We're going to come down the center aisle and then we're going to make two lines on each side of the table going to your left and to your right. This feast of remembrance is now open. You may come as soon as the balcony precedes you. Let's worship the Lord and enjoy His presence. Jesus 
Christ is risen, 
presence of Jesus is what we're after and uh, I just ask you to stand and we'll be dismissed you know kind of formally but if you're here today and have never seriously considered the claims of the good news of the gospel for you uh, then my invitation to you is to um, do that because Jesus has been longing to have relationship with you And the way that happens is simply to come to Him just the way you are. Don't try to clean up your stuff. He does that pretty well. And uh, receive Him into your life and just say, God, I want to thank You that just as I am, You forgive me. And by my coming, I'm acknowledging a change. And I'm asking You to now come and live in my life forever and ever. He He will do just that. Let's pray together. And if that's you then my invitation is for you to come to receive Jesus. Father, I want to thank you for giving us an opportunity to celebrate your presence, to remember this feast of what you have done on our behalf. And God, I know there would be some here who are in need of of contacting afresh uh, the risen Jesus. Would you bless them and draw them Would you bless your people now as they slip out? God, would you cause them as they walk by the way or as they lie down in their houses, rise up and go forth again? Lord, let them be fully aware of your amazing love demonstrated toward each one of them through the cross of Jesus. And all of God's people then said together, Amen. God bless you and have a wonderful day. If you'd like special prayer and have not been prayed for, we'll continue to be here for you so that we might pray. Love on somebody as you slip out.